This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 490. That's so funny. I was just in Home Depot yesterday and uh, and somebody that follows me on Instagram came up to me and he wanted to know like how to start flipping and buy these millionaires. I was, I was like, dude, just go to the bank, yeah. get that little bit the bank will give you and buy something. Yep. That's your easiest thing to do right off the bat and live in it. You're paying somebody else's mortgage. Might as well pay your own mortgage yep. at least. House hack, whatever you want to be. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. David Green. David, man, what's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Just plugging along, trying to stay consistent with our goals. My tax return should finally be getting done. So I'll be looking to buy some more properties pretty soon and still growing the real estate team and the mortgage company and making great content with you. Yeah. Awesome, man. I love it. Well, I am pumped about today's interview, which we're going to get to in just a minute. I've actually got our guests coming into the sea shed to sit with me and chat. But before we get there, I do want to get to today's quick tip. All right. Quick tip. The book that I wrote with Brian Murray, the two of them, volume one and volume two of The Multifamily Millionaire is out. So go to biggerpockets.com slash store and get the book now. You can only get it on Bigger Pockets right now. So we'll ship it to you and you get a bunch of cool bonus stuff when you buy from Bigger Pockets. In fact, the bonus stuff is just as cool as the book itself. So buy it from Bigger Pockets. You get all that stuff and do it right now. And then do me a favor. Let me know over on Instagram. Hit me, shoot me a DM that just says you got the book or even better, post a picture of it, of your receipt or your whatever, post it to your social so you can let the world know. It just helps me out and I appreciate all of you and I love the support. So thank you all. That is today's quick tip. Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. 
This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, that's it, man. I think it's time to get into today's, I guess, interview chat with our guest Indar. So Indar is a real estate investor from the island or in on the island of Oahu out here in Hawaii, but he flew the long, crazy trip over to Maui to sit with me in the shed. Uh, I think it was a 22-minute flight. Yeah, yeah. 22-minute flight over here. Indar, welcome to the sea shed, man. How you doing? Great. Aloha, everybody out there. So honored and excited to be here with you guys and just to share our story about Hawaii and how we've done it here in Hawaii. I love it, man. I'm excited to dig in because I know you got a cool thing going right now. Whenever I watch on like, your Instagram, like you're investing in crazy Oahu, which is nuts expensive, yes. super competitive. And then you're also doing stuff on the mainland, like a long distance yeah. invest. And you can't get much more long distance than like Hawaii to like Ohio, Ohio Pennsylvania. Or, something. Yeah, yeah, we're all over. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so yes. that's crazy. So I want to hear that whole story. But first, why real estate? How did you even get into the idea of, I want to invest in real estate? Yes. I mean, that's a great question. It's kind of a small question that turned into huge, but it stemmed off into that passion, that love of wanting to learn about doing your real estate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want to take it to the next level in life. I got an engineering degree and it's great money. You know, I can make, I don't know, 150000 a year, which is great money. And I'm very grateful to be able to do that degree if I wanted to. But, you know, for me, I just wanted more in life. You know, I wanted to be to the next level in life. I wanted the million dollars and the, you know, et cetera, et cetera, of all of that more in life. Real estate was the next avenue to do it. I surrounded myself with very successful people, people who had influence in life, who had money, and I only listened to them. And those people either did real estate or had real estate as part of their portfolio. You know, these are multimillionaires. And I started noticing that that was part of their life. And so that just kind of led me to start wanting to figure out more. And and this was, I don't know, 15 years ago plus that the ideas started rolling in my head. Well, I hear that from like CPAs all the time who say like they got into real estate because they kept seeing their clients, how all of their wealthy clients either own real estate or were full-time real estate investors. Yeah, yeah. And so there's this pattern you see with wealthy people and you're like, hey, I want to do that. So what was your very, very first investment ever? First thing I ever did was my own personal property. I was young, went to the bank, and I said, give me all the money you got. <laughs> you know, at the time, <laughs> and they arrested you and threw you in jail for nothing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> at the time, the bank would only give me like $240,000. Okay. And if you know anything about Oahu and where we live, 240000 gets you probably about the size of this, this shit. shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I literally bought like a box. So like me and my wife, girlfriend at the time, bought this tiny little box. And uh, we lived in it. We fixed it up. And I did a deal, you know, do it yourself everything and lived in it two years and did that two-year hack of selling it. And with uh, after two years, you pay no taxes. Yeah, and, that's cool. Can you explain that real quick? For those people who have never heard that amazing benefit to owning real estate, what's the two-year thing? So as long as you live in a place for two years, you don't have to pay any taxes after that. It's up to 250000 If you're married, it's 500000 yeah. You don't pay any taxes on that. So you just got to live or show that you lived in that place for two years. Yeah, And it's a great tax incentive. You know, Now at the level where we're at, I'm always looking at tax incentives and all the tax legal tricks to do, you know, around it from 
you know, appreciation, depreciation and yeah. all the other fun stuff that we love to talk about. Yeah. I know you I always tell there's like you get a bunch of nerdy real estate investors <laughs> together and our conversations are about like taxes. Yeah, exactly. Like, David and I talk a lot about like too much about taxes. We just like sit around and talk about taxes because that's just what nerdy it's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. It, it yeah. is exciting. Like it's like you're almost figuring out how to beat the system legally, of course. Yeah. You know, and do it the right way because there's so many loopholes in our yeah. system that it's like sports coaches getting together and talking about the rule book. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. To get really excited, like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you see, there's All a right. new rule coming out that allows us to put our hands on the wide receivers within three yards of the line of scrimmage in the first five seconds. What play are we going to construct? <laughs> yeah, I literally did that December 28th. I bought my wife a brand new BMW for like I don't know eighty thousand tax write off. Depreciation yep. took the mm-hmm. whole thing right away just for the write off. You know, yeah, yeah. There's tricks. some fun tricks yeah. you can get when you get fun in the taxes. Yeah. We do a whole show just on that. <laughs> All right, so you bought the house, you sold it, which a lot of people, I mean, Mindy Jensen hosted the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. She does that every two years and she has yeah, for like yeah. a couple decades. Every two years, they fix up a house, sell it, yeah. make the profit, do it again and again and again. So I'm all for using all the different sources of money I can get. And so bank money is the easiest money to get. Yeah. It's the cheapest and easiest. So we do that same strategy year after year as well. We do the two to five years yeah. and we're into our $1.6 million house now, but that was because we bought and sold, bought and yep. sold and kept on moving up in life. You know, a lot of times people are so scared to buy that first house because it's their dream house, but really it's just your starter home for that next dream house down the line. Yeah. And it's scary to pull that trigger. And Brandon, you're amazing at action. I think you're the best action taker <laughs> I know. Oh, keep going, keep going, <laughs> keep coming. No. But well, that's you. what our all our weaknesses are is that action. We learn, we we know, we see, we read, and we know what we should do. But I think that separates people in life is that the amount of action. You take 10 more action than I even do. And I would love to do even more action. But Yeah, we could do a whole show just on people taking action. Yeah. But uh, man, we'll just take you. do it and figure it out later. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, jump out of the plane and build your parachute yeah, on the way down, right? Yeah. It's very much the real estate investor motto. So, all right, so you bought that first property. What came next? Like investment-wise, like where'd you end up going and how'd you start that, your portfolio and your business? Yeah, yeah so we bought that first property and that was when the ball started rolling for me. That's when I started wanting to get into real estate and really seeing what the flipping world was all about. Started going to seminars. I signed up for a program that really boosted me to the next level. I'm very big on education. Education is huge. I got electrical engineering degree. I got a business degree, contractor's license, but that's nothing. The education is really what stepped me up to the next level because we can do one or two houses a year maybe, but how do you do this in a large scale. So yeah. this is something I wanted to talk to you about because I know you have been a part of several groups yeah. and you pay for education and you're part of a lot of groups that, you know, we have mutual friends and you paid for one of the guru courses early on that we talk a lot of bad stuff about them, but you're one of the guys who came out and said, no, I did this and I got successful. So who is that right for? Who should spend the 10, 15, 20, 30, $50,000 yeah. on education and who shouldn't? I mean, I think it's right for anyone as long as you can afford it and you're going to find that return as long as you really are going to put into the work. Yeah. You know, you're going to do the work and you're going to take that action that they tell you. I mean, all these gurus have great starter tips and, you know, great step by step how to do it. 
And, you know, we just started our own program too, as well. And it's great for the new guy who wants to have his own step-by-step program on how to do this. Because real estate in general is very simple to understand, very straightforward. Yeah, It is truly, but it's the action part again is the hardest part of it all. It's very easy to grasp and understand. We fix a house, (laughs) we paint it, make it nice, and we sell it. It, Like the concept is, you know, we can watch it on TV all night long. Obviously there's a lot more to it, but it's the action part of doing, right? Yeah, we just did this interview with uh, Adam from the company called My Body Tutor. And it's all about, you know, it was about fitness, but every analogy related to like business and a big piece of it was like the knowledge alone isn't enough. Like we all know how to build a real estate business, right? It's very simple. You buy property, it goes up in value, you sell it eventually. It's fairly simple, but it's also simple to get a six pack. It's also simple to surf. It's also simple to do a lot of this stuff, but we just don't do it. It's not about knowledge, right? Knowledge in our head. It's not about that. It's about, do you take the daily consistent action needed? to accomplish that goal, which obviously you've done now. I mean, walk us like, so you started, you did the course, the program, you started learning, educating yourself. Uh, What came next? So we did the course. At the time, there was no one flipping big in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I had so much naysayers, I mean, family, friends, even close people to me saying, you can't do this in Hawaii. You can't scale Hawaii. It was yeah. too expensive. I mean, at that time, I mean, price points were like 700000 for a house. I think we're about to hit a million for single family price points. In we state. just crossed it here in Maui. Yeah. 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 Crazy. It's crazy. I mean, how do you afford a million dollar house and with yep. eighty thousand dollars salary a year is what our Hawaii averages. Yep. So it's crazy. And you hear a lot of name search from people. But then I started looking at those people and what they had in life. They were just normal people and they didn't have what I wanted. So I started listening to people who have millions, you know, multimillionaire people, and they started changing my mindset to how, you know, I was taught to learn and grow. Cause we were trained so much as kids. And I, I went to college and everything, but I think honestly, college is kind of wasted yeah. time. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it like that, but <laughs> you know what I yeah, know I'm with you. what I mean. I think the real estate or the life lessons you learn is, is a lot more important. I agree. Hey, David, I'm curious about your thoughts. I don't think you and I have ever talked about this. What do you think about college education yeah. today? I think the problem is when you assume everybody should go to college. That's where the problem comes from. For some people, it's great. For some people, it's terrible. It's like most things in life. You got to look at your motive. If you want to be in a profession that you're going to learn how to do that profession in college, it can be a good idea. Doctors, lawyers, engineers, accountants, where else? You're not going to go get an internship to learn how to be an engineer. You're probably going to need to go to college. If you don't know what you want to do, you don't have any idea, or you know, I want to be an entrepreneur, college might be a terrible idea. And if you're in the person who's saying, I don't care what I do, I don't know what I want to do, I just want to have an experience, I just want to go pay $80,000 to spend four years partying and goofing around, it's a terrible idea. College will only continue to get more expensive as the government continues to give grants to people to go there. Every single time the government says, we want more people to go to college, colleges say, great, let's up the tuition. And people just get under this crippling debt for reasons that they don't even understand why they did it, right? If you're going to go be a doctor, that you're going to pay that debt off. If you're going to go be a mechanic and make $60,000 a year, you'd have been way better off getting an internship at a mechanic place than going to college. For four years and make, yeah, you'd be better off in four years. Yeah. Even a trade. Take a person who learns how to invest in real estate, because that's what we're talking about. Four years of interning underneath Brandon Turner at Open Door Capital or you in Dart, like they're <laughs> going to be a ninja. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you'd I, easily be a hundred thousand dollar breadwinner in four agreed. years. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, easily. So okay, so you got educated. You decided, yeah. did you start flipping or rentals? What came next? So we got into the flipping business. I had a great wife, girlfriend at the time who was really supportive. You know, she pushed me into the education program, helped me pay for it. You know, we maxed out credit cards, thirty five thousand in debt on credit cards Ooh. off the bat. You know. But I took the steps. Yeah. You know, I was very into vision boards, still am at the time, goal setting, still very am at to this day, as you are too. And I think that's an intricate part of, you know, the where we're at today. But you know, we did our first deal, super scared. We did a small little wholesale deal, it was great. But our first deal, we bought it seven hundred thousand. We sold it for just over a million. I was so scared. Yeah. I was so scared. I feel like that first deal, it just gets you over that hump. Yep. You know, it's such a scary moment. And, and as it should be, we're all yeah. scared. I'm still scared today on deals. Yeah. But if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And I recognize that. I partnered on my first deal, which I recommend if, you know, if mm-hmm. you're scared to partner, especially on a bigger deal, just for the security of being with somebody who's been there and yep. done that, you know, finding the hard money, finding this was back when hard money was like 12%. Yeah. And they wouldn't lend to you unless you had deals under your belt. Back then, they wouldn't lend. It was very hard to- But hard but money. Indar, I don't want to share my profit. <laughs> I want all of it. I want to be, you know, I want the yeah. 100 grand profit or whatever yeah. it is you're making. Like, well, you, what do we say to those people? You can't do the deal and then you make yeah. nothing. <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. Make half or nothing. Yep. And that's my model today. Yeah. Even when I look at a deal, I'm like, well, somebody's going to do the deal and somebody's yep. going to figure it out that deal. Is it going to be you? Or is it somebody else? Oh, yeah, that's good. That's always my model, even on the hardest deals. I did some flips that were, everyone's like, oh, it's a teardown. My dad's a construction guy. My dad's like, oh, you got to tear that thing down and build new. It's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out and just watch me. And when I did those hard deals, like I'm talking like structural underneath the house, jacking it up, putting four by 12s and all that fun stuff and jacked it up and did it. After I did that deal, everything else was easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? You do those hard things in life, everything else is easy after that. You Next flip, I was like, I got this. Yeah, you know what I mean? that's like, cool, man. There's some gold there. That's a really, really good point. People will, in my life will say, how do you work so much? That does come up sometimes. And I think it's because when I compare it to working 20-hour days as a police officer, nothing really seems that hard anymore. It doesn't feel hard to me is what I'm saying. If somebody else was to maybe step into our shoes, they might feel very stressed and strained. Just like if I tried to go work out with The Rock, I'm sure I'd feel like overwhelmed, right? But <laughs> he isn't feeling overwhelmed because he's been doing it. And so doing harder things will make the stuff that seems hard now feel easy. I think that's a great point. And the other one I like you said is that first deal is so important. And the minute you said, I bought a little box for us to live in, I knew that's why you were able to scale to where you are right now. I really think for so many people, buying a primary residence, just a house to live in instead of a house to rent is 70% of what the momentum that they need to get into real estate investing. And they're sitting there renting a room from someone else or renting an apartment. And they're listening to Indar talk about buying $1.8 million houses. And they're saying, how could I ever do it? The answer is you do what he did when he was in your position and you just buy your own house. That's so funny. I was just in Home Depot yesterday and uh, and somebody that follows me on Instagram came up to me and he wanted to know like how to start flipping and buy these millionaires. I was like, dude, just go to the bank, yeah. get that little bit the bank will give you and buy something. Yep. That's your easiest thing to do right off the bat and live in it. You're paying somebody else's mortgage. Might as well pay your own mortgage at yep. least. House hack, whatever you want to be. But 
Yeah, that's such a such a good point. Yeah, because I mean, like maybe at the end of your career, that first house isn't going to make you millions of dollars. It's not going to be a big piece of it. It doesn't matter. It's about you are changing your identity. I think just go back to identity. We just keep talking to identity, David, but you're changing your identity from somebody who is a passive, like walk through life, not taking control of their life to somebody who says, no, like I'm a financial person. I'm a adult. I'm a grown up. I put on my big boy pants. It does make you an adult. Right? It makes you an adult. (laughs) And like that, like, yeah, it goes into that next like things. So yeah, it's so important. Like, do you have to own a house in order to invest in real estate? Of course not. But it definitely gives you a different identity. It does make you feel like it. it's funny because yeah. I sit with you on the porch sometimes with you guys on yep. Sundays and I don't feel like a dog. I feel like a little kid when I'm hanging out <laughs> with you guys. Like I think we're almost all 40 here. And I feel exactly. Like a little kid just That's chatting funny. it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We get pretty we we get into it. I, I love this like Lanai conversations. The Lanai, for those who don't know, is like a front porch in Hawaii. Yeah. And uh, just like those moments. I mean, like David and I do them a lot. You and I have done them a number of times. Yeah. We're just like sit down and just talk late into the night about the stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's really cool to. Really- I want to ask our listeners if you are listening to this on on YouTube, please comment. And if not, please go to Bigger Pockets. Is there demand for videos of Lanai sessions <laughs> <laughs> with Brandon, David, Indar, whoever it is that's in Maui? If people want to hear that, maybe we'll record those and release them. That's funny. That's not <laughs> so a bad idea. It's a real personal moment. I mean, I sit there with you guys, and I don't even want to Instagram because I, it's it's a personal friendship. Moment yeah, that, yeah, they are good moments. I don't. Well, like, we wouldn't I release don't everything. I think there's quite a bit. That would probably have to be edited out. <laughs> Some of your comments. Yeah, yeah exactly. Real we quick keep David's comments down a little bit. <laughs> All right. So the first flip. How did you? I mean, how did you even come up with the money to buy a seven hundred thousand dollars property? You partnered. Did they supply yeah. the money, or how'd that work? Oh man, I was so scared. I was so stressed about it. I sent a deal to everybody I knew, the program, my mentors and everyone, everyone's telling me it's a deal. Yeah. I was so scared. I partnered with somebody, brought somebody in and he was a broker for hard money actually. Okay. And ended up two weeks before we're closing on our extension, he moved away. He pulled out his hard money, fell out. Mm. I have 12 grand in earnest money deposit at risk. 12 grand is a lot for me at that time. and, And I'm young. I was so scared. I was like, oh my God, it's 12 grand. I'm so scared. I ended up figuring it out and I problem solved, called other hard money lenders. I made it happen in two weeks. Now we're on our extension. They're ready to shut us down and cancel the whole deal. And I'm like, I'm not losing 12 grand. So he moved away. I still paid him half and he still made his money and everything. I still honored that even though he moved away and kind of left that part of the deal. But I still am a man of integrity. It's kind of our Hawaii way, no matter what. So he moved away and I had to figure it out on my own. And I found the money, man. I I found it. The gap funding is, was from my little house. I lived in it. We sold that. We made 90 grand off of that. And we sold that. And that was our gap fund. And we did that deal. Everything you can think of happened, you know, contractors left. We went over budget, flipped took longer than we wanted, but I, you know, just plowed through it and just figured it out. Yeah, And it's almost like, I have electrical engineering background and that's what an engineer does, figures it out. Yep. You know, you just figure it out. You roll with it. You can get stopped where you're at and people will tell you, no, you can't do it this way or you can't do it all. I always will go around and ask somebody else or I'll go around and 
find the right person to figure it out. That's such a huge part of just success in general, isn't it? Like this idea of, I always think of like the movie or the TV show, like 24, let's say, right? 24, yeah. which was like a, you know, action show or any action movie, but like, I like TV shows because like Jack Bauer is a hero, right? And like, there's a bomb going to go off and like the whole <laughs> yeah, show is about him going to stop the bomb, right? Yeah. And like the clock's ticking down and he finally stops the bomb and then he's like, oh, I saved the bomb. And then the person comes in and goes, yeah, but your daughter just got kidnapped. He's like, no. Oh! Oh, and then he goes and like saves a daughter and it's like, well, that's great. But your wife just got taken. And that all happens in like nine minutes. Exactly. Yeah, it's all <laughs> exactly. Very quickly. But that's what real estate is so much like, isn't it? Yeah. It's like this constant like, OK, I'm going to defuse this problem. And then, oh, now I got another problem. I got to go defuse it that is. one. It and, is. Yeah. And if you can get through it, like that's how you get it. You big feel portfolio. like you just tackle those little problems mm -hmm. and like you just learn so much to go to the bigger one. Like how you guys are just into these huge, massive deals now. And just from learning and yeah, there's no better way than to just do action, you know, yeah. to do a deal. Yeah. <laughs> just get into the bigger stuff. So what came next? I mean, what's the next few years of your career look like? Yeah. Just lots of flipping. Yeah. Yeah. So the first few years, you know, did one or two deals. I don't know, three or four the next year, five, six, seven the following year. And uh, I think we got up to like. I don't know, 20 to 30 last wow. year, 29 wow. last year. Wow. And, and these are million dollar deals, 15 million last year. I've done about 75 million in buys and sells of fix and flips. Wow. Um, you know, in Hawaii, I hear mainly people and they're doing like 100 deals a month. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you do that? If I were to do 100 deals a month, it's crazy amount of money because, you know, our average price is yeah, it's a million there. dollars, you know. I've done $3 million flips, crazy high-end flips. So our profit margins are just a lot bigger. Yeah. What is a typical profit that you aim for on a, on a flip now? I, I don't know if I should share this edit, but so yesterday I just closed and we made a 515,000. Oh my gosh. You have to, we're not editing that out. We got to say that. That's not, dude, that's amazing. <laughs> well, don't come ask me for money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> dude, like, okay. So, but I'm guessing that's that not normal, one, right? Yeah. That's the biggest one. No, our, our average KPIs right now are 89,000 a deal. Okay. So we do a lot of lower end stuff too, sure. obviously. Yeah. What do you like better? The the $3 million flip or the $700,000 flip? Oh, all day long. The cheap, easy ones. Yeah. Okay. On yeah. the high end flips, you got to be very intricate in your designs. You know, you got to do accent lighting and you got to make it cater to higher end. So it's more involved. Profit margins can be bigger. You can enjoy that. We had a flip. We were going to make, I don't know, 600 or something on that. You know, this was a couple of years ago and then make it up a hundred. Wow. But this was you know, it was 700,000 rehab purchased at almost 2 million. So it was a big deal. Yeah. I was just happy to just make something. I think you told us about that one on the Lanai. I remember this yeah. one. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That, what freaks me out about the big deal, and I love to, I love the idea of them, right? But I, I love the idea of buying the $2 million property, putting a million bucks into it, selling it for four, yeah. like, oh, that just sounds so good. Right. But then like the market shifts and that four turns yes. to three. Yes. And all of a That's sudden you're underwater part about them. Yep. The ARVs, like we're looking at Kahala, mm -hmm. like you're looking at like a 4 million to a, to a 9 million. Yeah. And it's like, how yep. do you figure out this ARV? Yep. So it's different. so hard Yeah, when there's not a lot of sales in an area. That's exactly what it is. There's not a lot of comps to go by because there's a lot of people in Hawaii that want to buy a $700,000 house. I know that sounds crazy if you live in Kansas, but whatever your market is, there is a lower end price range that first time home buyers want to get into. There's a credible demand. So there's a ton of comps, it's very easy to come up with an ARV because you have all these past sales and you have a huge buyer pool. The more that you go up into expensive properties, the thinner the buyer pool gets because there's less people that can buy them and the easier it is to miss on what you thought. Just as someone who sells real estate, you put your house in market at 4 million, it sells for 3.2, happens way more than you would think. It does not happen where you put that house on for 700 and it sells for 520. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the danger when you get into those higher priced homes. Yes, yes, yeah, it really. I is. find after about million point five, it changes. People are generally cash buyers. You're not really financing as much, so your buyer pool gets a lot smaller. Which is why you have the opportunity to make a five hundred thousand dollar profit on a flip. Yeah, because you could have also lost a hundred grand on that one really or five hundred grand. Like, yeah, yeah it's really easy. Actually, where I risk. made my killing more of my money was I was actually doing out on the west side. Why I back? 2015, this is when like realtors in general, like you want to, what you want to buy a house out here? Like yeah. it was kind of like the outskirts, not yeah, it's a little wild west. Yeah. Out it's there. A wild yeah. West. yeah. But I made a killing out there because that was affordability. Yep. You know, we were selling houses at four or 500,000 at that time. And that's what the average guy that, you know, the wife who works, I don't know, as a nurse and a husband who does construction, that's yep. what they can afford on our Island. That was cheap, you know, yeah. 400, 500,000 was their cheapest you can find on our island and probably this island too yeah you know yeah that's uh we sold those we were over asking back then all the time you know and still to this day it's one thing they they don't talk about on all the flipping tv shows right all the flipping tv shows are like we're gonna do like the huge fancy things and every project's brand new and super high end i don't think most people realize that flippers are actually like most of their money is made from just the very basic usually the same carpet or flooring or paint and (laughs) it's just rinse and repeat you can tell all my flips is the exact same paint the same colors i got a same accent wall something like your sea shed it's actually similar i do an accent wall to, you know, you find out it works yep. and everyone loves it. And uh, I find here in Hawaii compared to LA, in LA, you need to be more high end. You need to have the marble and the hardwoods. Yeah. You want to drive to LA, you can drive to LA from all these different cities compared to here in Hawaii. If you want to live in Kihei, you're going to forgo anything just to live in Kihei. Yeah, yeah. I know another flipper who does like Frigidaire and dollar 12 by 12 tiles, a million dollar homes. Yeah. And he sells them all day long because nice, clean, new is generally what people want here in, in Hawaii. So that's another price point. My buddy who flips in LA, he's a big flipper. He kind of gives me crap about million dollar houses yeah. are not as nice as his, <laughs> but funny. I don't need to. You don't need to, yep. My cost is probably more. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Well, on that note then, I want to talk a little bit about contractors because I know yeah. you've dealt with a lot of them. But before, are there people flipping bigger than you are on Oahu right now? Like, No, I think I'm the largest here on Oahu for the last yeah, couple of years. Crazy. There was uh, somebody else who left, but yeah, we're the largest. We, we normally, we carry about, I think, 12 flips right now we got carrying. So that's our sweet spot. I don't know, 10 to 15 is where I like to carry. It's generally about 15 million. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money to be carrying. You and know? how are you financing all these flips? Are you still using hard money or do you raise money privately or what do you do for the financing? Yeah, so we... We do, of course, hard money. I'm always looking for better and the best hard monies out there. I have a great relationship. I am generally the biggest client for a lot of these hard money lenders. Yeah. So they love working with us because my, you know, it's the same amount of work when I buy a million dollar house or they're buying a $200,000 house. You're right, yeah. I kind of throw my weight around with hard money and I like that relationship. And then I bring private money. I bring people in. We make little hooies. Love to throw that in here. You know, we don't call syndicates. We call little hooies on every property. And I pay out interest to all my investors. They love it. I love bringing people in and helping them make money. Mm -hmm. I brought this one guy in. He didn't know he had money in his house. So we got him a HELOC on his house. He took 300,000 out. We did a flip. It lasted 10 months. Paid him out about thirty five thousand. The next day, he bought a brand new Lexus. So that's like, cool, dude. You didn't even know you could have bought a brand new car this year, and you got a brand new Lexus. Yeah, like, that's cool. It's such a rewarding feeling to when you make it a win for everybody else, and you're helping out the community. You know, with what we do in real estate, I posted this the other day that we're helping out so many people. From you know, you got 
how many people are involved in our transactions, realtors, you know, appraisals and all the contractors. I mean, the list is crazy amount of people, how much money yeah. generate into our society. It's true. Yeah. yeah. We bring a lot of jobs. So speaking of contractors, let's talk about them. Hawaii is not known for being a super good yes. contractor friendly place. In fact, I, we just hired a contractor to do some work on our condo, our yes. month in Maui condo. And uh, the guy specifically said, he's like, yeah, I show up every day. He's like, I'm not like other contractors. I show up every day. He goes, well, he literally said, I do have a surfing clause in my contract. <laughs> and he did. He has a surfing clause in his contract that said if it's good waves, he will not be there that way that day. <laughs> and so I'm like, awesome. that is so Hawaii. <laughs> so is. how do you deal with finding good contractors, yes. keeping good contractors? What's been your secret? I mean, I have a contractor's license, so I have that background. I know what things cost. We used to break things down generally, but anyone out there who's hiring people, just know right off the bat, a good labor guy should be 250 bucks a day, a lower end, maybe 150. Use that scale really fast to figure out how much labor rates will cost. Say you got three guys on a job, I don't know, $250 a day per guy. Ask them how long it's going to be. Say it's eight weeks. They're going to tell you eight weeks. Take $250 a day times five days a week times eight weeks. That's your labor cost right off the bat. And then you can figure out material on your own side. A lot of times on our jobs, if we do material, we save money because yeah. now I'm controlling that material cost. I don't like to on bigger jobs sometimes. It depends on per job. But I get 20% off Home Depot and I get a lot of discounts because of my volume. But finding a good contractor, this is a trick. I was at your house last time and on my way to airport, stopped at Home Depot, put a little cardboard sign up because we got that flip in Lahaina coming up. Yeah. I said, contractors needed, give me a call. Put a little cardboard sign on the stop sign. Probably got taken down in a couple of days, but my phone blew up. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's it's such an easy trick to look. For. I mean, obviously, you want to ask for referrals and find yeah. you know other people and Yelp and all those fun sites. But a lot of times, it's just finding that right little guy. On that note about the contractors and finding them and the cardboard sign, right? I Last night, I'm talking to Taro Yarber, who's a good buddy of mine. We were doing we were driving up to do some jujitsu class. And I have to find a way to put in jujitsu, by the way, in every episode of the podcast, <laughs> just to make me feel good. So we're driving to this class. And on the way home, I'm talking to him about just the difficult and finding contractors right now. And yeah. I told him the surf guy contract. Yeah. And then I mentioned that this other guy I'm hiring right now is like super expensive. Like, I mean, like he's basically yeah. like $600 a day yeah, yeah. for labor, yeah. for labor only. And I'm like, that's just so much. And I'm like, and I said to him, I just can't find anybody else. And he looked at me and he goes, Brandon, be honest with yourself for a minute. Have you really done the work needed to find a contract yeah, yeah. to find that? And I'm like, no, you haven't. No, I called one guy. Yeah. I asked for a recommendation. He gave me two names. Yeah. I called both of them. One was busy and one gave me the I bid. Know, I know what you mean. Right? Yeah. And so like, yeah. he's like, your problem is not that you can't find a contractor. Yeah. It's that you're being too lazy. And Taro's very direct like this. He's like, you're being too lazy to do the work you need to be doing yeah. to do a good job with this. I, I'll give you credit because Maui is very hard to find contractors. <laughs> it you is. Guys, it's known. But, it's known. Yeah, it's tough. But he's right. He's like, did you have your uh, assistant call up every single tile and flooring yeah. and paint contract? contractor on the entire island and ask for recommendations and referrals for who like to work with. Yeah. No. Did you go to this site and did you do this? You call everyone in the yellow pages. No. Like he's like, well, then don't tell me you can't find a good contractor because you haven't done the work yet. <laughs> so yeah, well, you, right, gotta, you know, a little trick too is to give the contractors an added incentive, you know, say, you know, I got five more projects lined up for yeah. you. You guys want to start here with you. And even if you guys are brand new out there and you don't, you will. You've yeah. got five more you're looking for. Yeah. So just giving them that added incentive that it's not just one and done. Yeah. You know, even with agents, when I'm interviewing agents to work with, 
You know, you're not going to buy and sell one house for me. I want to buy and sell a house every week with you. You know, make yourself feel seem bigger than even you are if you're starting out. Brad. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. 
At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Yeah. All right. So I want to go to being the biggest flipper on Oahu, probably maybe in all of Hawaii in general. I don't know because Oahu is the biggest. Well, I flip on every island. Okay. Yeah. So you're probably the biggest flipper in Hawaii, right? So to go from that and now you're also doing long distance rental property investing. How did that start? Where did that come from? I mean, relationships. Relationships are a huge part of this business. Yeah. You know, you hear a lot of gurus talk about how this avenue of real estate is great. Wholesaling is the only way to do it. Rehabbing is horrible. Yeah. I don't believe in that. I believe in every avenue of real estate makes you money. Yep. You know, as agents, they make a killing. There's billion dollar plus agents. There's every avenue I think is great. And I just have that mindset that I can do more than I can, you know, listen to you for years, of course. I mean, I've been on bigger pockets before when it was free, actually. (laughs) I don't know. That's a long time ago. (laughs) You can still get a free membership. You know, we got a lot of pros now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You guys are awesome. I mean, so we're flipping for years now and it starts where you want to put your money. What do you want to do in life? What do you kind of legacy do you want? Yeah. You know, the family avenue is huge in my mindset. So having the, the legacy for kids, flipping is a job. I got to show up. I got to find deals. I got to do the work. I got to sell it. It's not legacy. You know, the legacy to me, your real worth in life, wealth in life is what you leave for your kids and your kids' kids yeah. and, you know, your legacy that you leave on. So with that mindset, you know, and the Burr model, of course, the Burr model is awesome. We started developing rentals and I used to have the mindset that Hawaii was too expensive. We couldn't do the Burr model. We couldn't do the 1% rule. Yeah. You know, I follow those rules. Those are like have to be from the bat. I used to think, oh, you can't do it in Hawaii. And that mindset really was holding me back. The second I changed my thinking, there are deals out there. It just starts naturally flowing. You know what I mean? That rhythm of it all starts. Yeah. And now we have about 15 D 15 birds here in Hawaii. And then we're now in the mainland. We got 16 in Ohio, 11 in Pennsylvania. We're buying a 98 home deal in uh, Missouri, 98 package wow. home deal. It's pretty exciting on that one. 24 in Texas coming. And then we're doing some whole tailing in a few other States, just wow. single family stuff. But the multifamily is is exciting. And the single family stuff too is really exciting because, you know, I have one deal that pays itself off in 18 years. That's going to go to my son. Yep. So uh, here you go, son. Yep. You know, 18 years. That's from awesome. Now, you, do that. you can either buy it, you can sell it, you can manage it, whatever. It's such a life learning lesson for my son. I feel like. That. Yeah. I did the same thing for Rosie. And now I'm doing it for Wilder. I just got a property under contract in Bangor, Maine, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I chose Bangor because again, it goes back to team and relationships. Like I have a good contract. I mean, a good, uh, yeah. well, contractor too, but I have a good property manager there. Ryan's, and, Ryan's up there. Kind yeah. Of Ryan was up there. And then so Jesse McHugh is up there and Jesse's my property manager and he's got all the contractor relationships. And so like it's a building. I have a core four in Maine. I mean, you got rock stars around you, man. Ryan Murdoch, if you listen, man, he's a beast. I love that guy. Yeah, we do. I know Ryan's Ryan's awesome. So, all right. So what else have you found? What's worked well in terms of long distance investing? When you live in an expensive market, which a lot of our listeners do, they're in LA, New York, San Francisco, whatever, and they want to invest in the Midwest. Like what's worked really well for you? And what are some of the things that have been difficult and learning lessons? I mean, the biggest thing on all of real estate is trust 
trusting the numbers. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a number business. I think we're all really comfortable with numbers and trusting it. It's almost like a data game. If the numbers work, if the market is right, you got to trust that intuition. And then, of course, finding the right people on the ground, finding the right agent over there, finding the right partnership in that area, whatever it may be. It's just the act of figuring it out. And I'm scared too myself. I'm scared jumping in different markets. I'm always scared. But when I have a right person on my team or together with me, somebody I trust, whatever, maybe that knows that market well or knows that area well, I vet him, of course, you know, I make sure he's a good guy. Then I'll act and I'll jump in with them. Or I just learn that market and I really fall in love with that market. Or I follow you guys, man. You guys, <laughs> you guys set tones for markets. I mean, I think everyone and their mothers in Ohio or has something in Ohio, right? Ohio. I mean, we're jumping all over those kind of markets where people generally are. And of course we do our own research and check it out. But you know, it's really a legacy for the kids. Uh, yeah, cash flow is great. Yeah. And I love cash flow. I love that check in the mail. <laughs> it's a great feeling because flips, especially when you start doing a lot of flips. It's a lot to manage because a lot of money goes out. I mean, yes, you can do big in Hawaii, but man, I was paying $70,000 a month in mortgages. I would be spending $150,000 a week just like that. And it was no big deal, still is not. But managing that in Hawaii is huge. And it's a lot of money flowing. It could be stressful. So enjoying the cash flow of rental, it's cake. You know, yeah. it's like, I love that little extra. But, you know, talking about rentals, a little tidbit for all you people out there. It's not about the cash flow of the rental. It's everything else that you get from it. You know, the appreciation, yep. silent bank account, that thing is going up in value generally in most states. Yep. You know, that's huge. That's loans getting paid off over time. And, and your loans getting paid yeah. off, the house hacking. Every other avenue, I think, is amazing. And for me now, it's the write-off. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the write-offs. I mean, it allows me to flip more and do more and write everything off. Doing a cost seg. Cost yeah. segs. Cost segregation studies, they're amazing. Yeah. That's a high-level thing. You know, it's, like, it it's, is, yeah. it's a common thing for us, but a lot of people don't understand what a cost seg is. And it's worth every dollar. And actually, I think you guys all should do one before, I don't know, Biden, I heard might be I getting rid of it. Yeah, actually. there's some changes coming. So yeah, I'm... Uh, yeah. So if you do it now and you have it, you can it should take be grandfathered it for years in, yeah. But Yeah, if, we do those every year. It's, it's been really good. It's worth, it's worth the money. It costs money. Indar, can we ask you, first off, what's a cost seg? How have you used them before? And then let's get into some of the other write-offs that you mentioned for just people that are thinking, really, to me, this is like the carrot that makes you want to get into it. Right. Like the real estate ends up funding your entire life in many ways, not just from cash flow, but literally your business can pay for all the things that you want to do and it becomes a write off. So I'd like to give as many examples as we can for the listeners of ways we can do that legally. The government really makes an incentive to be a real estate agent, I mean, a real estate person in general, because yeah. we are bringing a lot of money back into our economy, as we were talking about. And just writing off a depreciation, you can write off the house value, excluding the land. You can divide that by 27.5 and you can write that off every year. You can write that off of any dollar you make. Say you make 100000 you write off 100000 And the cool thing I love about it is it shows I made 100000 but I don't pay any taxes. So yeah. when you go to the bank, you're still showing 100000 because a lot of times we have to work with banks. Yep. Then uh, whatever, cost seg, cost seg's awesome. So a cost segregation, you'll pay a company to come out into your property, multifamily. They do single families too. Generally, single family is, I think, 600 to 1,000, depending on the home, of course. They'll come out and they'll give an evaluation of 
the windows, the doors, all the smaller things that go down in value slowly over time, you know, generally maybe five years or something. Yep. And they'll give you a write-off for those items, which now you can take and use as a depreciating asset against the money you make, you can write off that cost that yeah. it costs you to pay it for those guys to come out and do it. And you can take that and use that for the next five to year, whatever, how many years you get it for. Yeah. You know, those two assets are great. And then we did also, was it a tax code 179, I think it is, the bonus depreciation. Oh, yep. So yep. We do the same yep. thing. Yeah. Yep. For my, my cars. You, yeah. So if your car is over 6,000 pounds, you can write it off as long as it's being used for work. So my wife's a real estate full-time agent and her vehicle is used for work. You can write off G-Wagons. They're over 6,000 pounds. I think Cardone talks about that. Anything over 6,000 pounds. And you can take the full write-off, 80%, whatever, it may be that you use for work and write it off for that whole year. So we took that $80,000 vehicle and now I didn't have to pay 80 grand in taxes. So if I'm in a 30% tax credit, whatever I have to pay, that's... 20,000 I just saved me yeah. you know in paying taxes so really that 80 grand vehicle was like 60 grand yep. if you think about it yeah that's you know? cool and if you have a good accountant they're teaching you things and I'm not an accountant so please check with them all the exact codes throw that disclaimer out there but figuring out all those little things at the end of the year you know we did it December 28th at the end of the year okay we got to do a write off so we did it real quick and that's cool bought the new car I think we should highlight when I first heard about this before I got into, I was just a police officer that bought rental property. I didn't really have it set up like a business. And I heard people talk about loopholes and that just that phrase sounds immoral. It sounds wrong. Like you're avoiding taxes, right? Well, it's not. No, taxes and tax breaks are just incentives that the government creates to incentivize a certain behavior. It's no different than when you tell your kid, if you clean your room, then you can have an ice cream cone. You're trying to get them to clean their room, right? It's not a loophole that that little kid gets ice cream just because they clean their room. It's something that's set up. So when we as real estate investors invest in this asset class, we are taking on risk. We could lose money. You can't lose money going to work and earning a W-2. That's why you get taxed the hardest. It's the safest, but there's actually risk associated with what we're doing. So to offset that risk, which the government wants you doing because you're creating jobs for lots of people. Look at the people we've talked about just now with Indar's story. We've created jobs for contractors, for CPAs, for real estate agents, for banks, for for people that the banks hire, for underwriters that the banks hire, for people that make the materials that you go buy at Home Depot. I could go on forever, but every time you flip a house, you are putting money in a ton of people's pockets. So of course, the government wants you to to do that. Did you want to comment on that, Indar? Yeah, I mean, 100%. The government wants you to spend money and bring yep. money back into the economy. Yep. It, they get taxed on it. So that same dollar, I, I followed this somewhere that like a, your dollar bill gets taxed so many different times yeah. as it exchange hands. So the incentive is you bring, you're spending money back into the economy you know, we will reward you for that. You are creating jobs. So the concept of depreciation, for example, it's very confusing because it's an accounting term. It is not the opposite of appreciation. And we throw that around. We say the house appreciates. Well, depreciate sounds like it loses value. It's not the case. It's losing structural integrity. Eventually, that house that you bought will fall apart and break apart. Now, the value- 27.5 years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly what they're saying. In 27 and a half years, this property should be- Who came up with that house? That's what I always wanted. Yeah, I was like, where the hell? Like, I would have completely understood if somebody was like 28 years or 30 years. Round up. 200 years ago, 
houses didn't last as long. Thank God they haven't upgraded that to like a hundred years. That would be terrible if they did. Some that. of these houses here in Hawaii are like that. Man. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so oh, so your just... house was built twenty-seven years ago. We got half a year left, honey. <laughs> half a year left. Yes. <laughs> so depreciation is the benefit you get because the government recognizes your property is slowly falling apart, and so we're going to give you one twenty-seven point fifth or whatever you say that of this thing's value back. You're not going to pay taxes on the money that made. Now the way it works out because of inflation is you get the best of both worlds. Your house falls apart, so you get depreciation, but it also increases in value and increases in value so fast that you can take the equity, put it back in the house and keep it from falling apart. You can keep reinvesting. But I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not like free money. There is risk associated. There's work associated. There's a reason they're incentivizing investors this way. But if you are smart, you can take the things that you normally paid for in your everyday life, run them through your business instead and write them off. So the reason a realtor can write off a G-Wagon over 6,000 pounds or whatever, and they get to take 100% of the cost and they can write it off is because they got to drive around all the time for work. So if they have this big, heavy, expensive car that uses up a lot of gas and needs a lot of maintenance, they can write off the total value of it because it's going to cost them more money. Well, you think about that. The incentive is if you spend money, we will let you write it off. So they want you to spend money. It generates our economy so much money. Yeah. So they, yeah. Now we don't want as financially wise people, we don't want to just be throwing money everywhere. So the idea is you take money that you already were going to spend and you run it through your real estate business so that you limit the taxes that you pay. We're not saying go buy a Land Rover just because you have to spend money on something. But if you're going to buy a BMW, it would be better to run it through your business and write it off than it would be to buy it personally and get nothing back. And I shop at Home Depot for every toilet paper and soap that I need for my there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what we got to slowly begin wrapping this thing up now, but a couple of things I want to get to. I got some ninja chips. Though, Please, yeah. I, I read that somewhere they said you yes. got ninja chips. So yes. why, don't we, why don't we go over those? I don't know how to get into that, but you just <laughs> nailed it. So let's go into ninja chips. Go ahead. We missed the whole backstory of my life. So I grew up in a very poor uh, water catchment in Puna. I was born in the jungle on a pot farm. We grew oh, wow. bananas. Very poor. Pot farm. I, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. My parents, this is 70s. Week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was that was legal in back then. Like no one cared in, in yeah. Hilo in the jungle. So my parents grew up that. And, and that's on the big island, right? It's so on the big island. Know, Puna, okay. Way out in the boonies. I mean, yeah. That's a little um, stick. Right there. <laughs> it's in the sticks. I mean, I was born on the farm. I was born that way. You know, yeah. water catchment and a generator is how we lived. So I grew up that way. So I am constantly into cost saving and living below my means. I like to try to because I think I was raised that way with less. Now we have more. So I'm constantly looking for little ninja chips, yeah, uh, little tricks it. and tricks of the trade that I learn from each other. And I always like take notes. So let me dive into a couple like Please. good ones that people will love. A huge, huge one. So when we sell a house, Before we sold, we'll hire a home inspector. Normally, that's done after you sell a house and you hire a home inspection then, and they come back at, at you with, you know, hey, fix this, give us a credit for that. This is generally huge when you're doing three and a half million dollar house because that buyer in general is a savvy person. He's buying three and a half million dollar house. He's a savvy dude. He knows yeah. his stuff in life. So he's going to come at you for credits. They're going to ask for stuff. If you stop him in your tracks, so I get a home inspection to run through the house. I'm not going to put on the suit and crawl through the attic. I'm not going to look every nook and cranny. You know, I try to. So I pay for a home inspection, 700 bucks for a higher end home. It's worth it. Then I give that to my contractor. Here you go. Here's your punch list. Your punch list. I love it. You know what I mean? So Mm, he's so good. What is that? 80 pages there, David? You guys get those things all the time. That's yes. And that's the same thing that I do. Exactly. Like you said, it's funny you mentioned that. What I actually started doing when I was burning at high volume is I would have the home inspector and the handyman contractor go at the same time. And I would have the home inspector meet with 
with them and he would point out stuff. The contractor would then give me a bid for specifically what it was and just give me a list of, Hey, I could do this for this much money. And I could just go through and pick like what I want on the menu. Ooh, those chicken nachos sound good. I'll take that. Ah, that looks a little too expensive. I don't need that. I don't even pay my guys until they finish the work. And I, I make it like that because I mean, it comes down to they're going to ask for you for a credit. Yep. If you kind of caught everything, they'll still maybe find some little things. But yep. if you caught all the big stuff, you know, you're saving thousands of dollars yeah. generally. Yeah. And they're yeah. going to come after you. Because a good yeah. realtor is going to ask for credit. I always ask for credit yeah. on a buy. No yeah. matter what, I ask for credit. The little tip out there, no matter what, ask, ask for, for credit. credit. Yeah, when they don't say ask for when they say you can't, yeah. ask for credit. Yeah. <laughs> that, here's, here's, here, let me explain why this is. So when you're in negotiation with somebody, you have an undercut. Let's say you're selling, Indar, you're selling a house to me yep. and I'm buying it. Yep. So I go in there and I want to buy this property for a million dollars. I'm going to find things wrong with the yeah. property, right? So I'm going to then go to you and say, mm, man, this isn't good. I, you know, like foundation had a little bit of crack yeah. over here. I want $30,000. Best case scenario, you say yes. Worst case scenario, you say no. Either way, I am in no different position. Yeah. You right? still can do the I deal. I still can do the deal yeah. legally. I People, have the right to buy the deal. I always ask. I had a deal one time that, you know, pictures look great. We put an offer and the numbers look great. When I actually went and looked at the property, mold, mildew, yep. you know, worst case, they covered it all up with great pictures. I was going to walk away from the deal, told the realtor, give me 50,000, you know, I'll do the deal. Yep. You know, I didn't think we we're going to get it. He gave me a $50,000 credit. I was like, oh crap. Yep. Oh, yeah. You never know. Yeah. Like there's zero risk and downside to asking for the, and we're not saying go and lock up properties and be a jerk and then negotiate them down three weeks into the process. That would be, give you a bad reputation yeah. in the industry, but like, they're going to be legit problems that come yeah, legit every problems. time. Bring out a contractor, bring yep. in a termite guy, yeah. you know, get a mold guy. Mold is a huge one, you know, because yeah. it's a yep. big deal, mold. And get their costs yeah. presentative. And now that agent has to disclose that when they sell it later yeah, on later, yeah. too. When people say they don't get inspectors, like home inspectors, when they buy a property, like, well, I've been doing this a long time. I don't need a home inspector. I'm like, they're going to find something that's going to pay for themselves guaranteed. They're going to find something and it's going to be like, oh yeah, that's a thousand dollar thing. Okay. Ask for the thousand dollar credit. And now you just got that thing fixed and it paid for your home inspection and then some. In general, like, I ask for double whatever it's going to cost because yeah. they always meet me halfway. Yeah, yeah, right. they do. Yeah. So I always ask for double. Yeah, double there you go. Halfway. Yeah, knowing that everyone negotiates that way, yeah, helps yeah. a lot. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let me bring some clarity on why this works. When you ask for a credit, what you're really doing is you're saying, I have an inspection contingency that will allow me to back out of this deal. I have found something. Now, you don't always say these words. You don't go threaten. I'm backing out if you don't give it, but it is implied in the offer. If you say no to this credit for this mildew, I may back out of the deal completely. That's the formality of what you're doing when you make a request for a, a credit. And they know that. The seller's hearing, oh man, if I say no, they might back out of the deal. That means I got to put my house back on the market. That means I got to wait another 45 days for another buyer. And then I got to go through another 30 day escrow. And that's going to cost me all this money. And the house that I just went and put under contract, I might lose that too. To me, having a really, really good agent like Gindar's wife understands, they feel out that situation. Realtors are stupid. They talk way too much. People do that all the time. All the time we start building rapport, they're like, oh my God, our clients are so happy. They just put their next house under contract in Texas and they can't wait to move. And I'm like, I don't know why you told me that, but I'm about to tell my client that we're we're asking extend that yeah. J one another two weeks. Now you just have them locked up for a month. They're, yeah. they're so invested in that sale already yeah. after a month. Yeah. You know, asking, you. asking yeah. For only 30. caveat I will add is in very specific markets, which we happen to be in right now in many places, it can be so hot that they could say no to you, put their house back on the market, sell it to somebody else for more. It's gotta be a buyer's market. Yeah. A yep. buyer's, market. buyer's market or even a neutral market. You could get a little bit, but I just, when we say it doesn't hurt to ask, it could hurt to ask. If you don't have a contingency to back out of the deal, they kick you out of 
contract and then they go sell to someone else. So in that circumstance, be careful about asking for too much, but in any other circumstance, absolutely go see what you can get. As long as during the inspection phase of J1 here in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, as long as you're in that phase, like you can ask for it. And if they say no, it doesn't void the contract. No, That's the key. It's it's a one-sided, the inspection period is a a one-way road here. When you have it. More ninja tips. I got a bunch. (laughs) You said J1. I just want to confirm. In the Hawaii contract, the J1 is the part of the contract that says you have this long to do your inspections. Inspection, normally 14 days we use. I use 14 days. There you go. That's what the standard term typically is. I have a team in Hawaii that helps people out there. And so we definitely like go over this training of how, like Indar said, that was perfect. Extended another two weeks, get them on the hook even longer. Now they're more likely to say yes to what you're asking for because they're sort of being held hostage. Like Brandon, you're dead on. They only benefit the buyer. And actually having a good agent like you're talking about is key to it all because they're negotiating on your behalf. These are MLS transactions we're talking about and, and it's worth it to have it's, yeah, real, it's worth it. Before you go on the other ninja tips, how are you finding deals today? I should have asked you that earlier. So my KPR is actually our 63% agents. We do a lot of online auctions. We got the one over here in Lahaina on an online auction. Yeah. I have a great relationship with them. They actually called me. This is, I think it was auction.com called me to let me know the deal cool. is coming up. So they let me know inside. We have our hard money lenders. We got an inside track to some of their foreclosures. They're giving us first right. And uh, we're wholetailing those deals across the United States. Those are awesome. Of course, we got some cold callers, PPC. In Hawaii, I think you got to do it all. Yeah. I hear so much in the States like, oh, we're experts at short sale or we're expert at one thing. In Hawaii, you got to be kind of a master of everything because I'll be looking on uh, MLS and I'll get a deal from, we do courtroom steps, auctions. So I'll get a deal over there. Like oftentimes is where I'm not looking, I get deals. You got to kind of look everywhere for a deal. You can't just, to me, be a master in one little spot because deals will come, you know, relationships, bandit signs. We do (laughs) doing bandit signs with my wife, man. (laughs) She doesn't like that. I I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'll never see getting out and yeah, getting yeah, the signs out there. Somebody to do that kind of stuff. But. Yeah, you can get the phone ringing, and it makes sense because, like, especially in Hawaii, like, there's probably more houses like in like Oakland than they're all in all of Hawaii, yes, right? Like, yes, or at least Oahu. Yes, like, there's probably more like houses in like one city, or LA. I'm sure has way more. You can get really niche, but yeah, if you're in a smaller market, like Hawaii is a smaller market. Yeah. Oahu is a smaller market. I mean, Hawaii is a relationship business market. I mean, yeah. everybody knows everybody. You walk down the street, yep. hey, you're friends with your uncles with that. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I am born and raised here and I'm going to leave my kids to live here in life, you know, down the line. So I want to keep those relationships really, really important, you know, so that's how we actually group so much is the relationships. relationships. And so much so even on deals, I've uh, lost on two and a half deals in my life. I've had an $80,000 loss. Kicked me in the butt on that one for a year. Still pay back every investor, still made everybody money because I valued, this was my third deal ever. I valued the relationships I would keep with those investors who are still investing with me today. You know, every other person got paid on that deal no matter what, because relationships are far more important than a monetary value, you know, of doing business. And in Hawaii, so much so. You don't want your name, your reputation to ever go bad. And it's extremely important to me in Hawaii too. Because that's, you know, it's my kids' names. It's it's our family. Yeah, that makes sense, man. All right, what else you got for uh, Ninja Tips? First one, hire a home inspector when done. What else you got? Knowing your daily holding costs. So on all our deals, we know our numbers. We know our numbers down to T. So an average is about $300 a day, a holding cost per house. Yeah. So when we go to sell the house, I will give $100 a day credit if they can close sooner. Smart, yeah. So now that seller, 
who's often not in control of the deal. A lot of times it's the, the mortgage lender, you know, we're pushing. He will push that mortgage lender to close sooner because he's going to make a hundred bucks. Yep. It's not That's really clever. losing me money. You think it is, but when you do the math, yeah, it's, not. it's saving you money. You know, saving a couple hundred bucks a day, I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm such a, a chain person. <laughs> I'm always fighting for every dollar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, pushing them to close sooner, get the deal close sooner. Just a quick, easy ninja. Hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks a day if you can close a day sooner, or a couple days sooner. And they'll push the lender in, in return. And a lot of times they want to move in faster anyway. So, you know, that's a cool little trick to try out. A huge ninja trick is we're all scared at this deal. We're all scared in this business. The numbers are huge. It's very life changing what we do. You know, could change it for better or worse, but to educate yourself and to understand a deal, be the expert in that market. When I look at a deal, I know everything that's going to happen in that neighborhood. I know what's active, what's selling, what's coming up. When an agent talks to me, I know what that neighborhood is. You know, knowing my market, you know, getting that map behind you and plotting your price points in that market, being that expert in that market, you know, it's your money at stake. It's nobody else's money. Even if you got hard money, whatever, it's your money at stake. And I treat it like that. And I make sure I am that expert in that market. You want to You want to know everything about that. And then with that said, get out there and write an offer. Yeah, I know so much people are out there. They're in the analysis paralysis phase, analyzing deals, analyzing deals, looking at deals, but they don't take the time to write that offer. Mm -hmm. I tell so many people, if you spent an hour analyzing a deal, throw that offer out there. Yep. And write an offer. Zero offers equals no deals. For us, our KPIs are 22 offers equals a deal. So I'm just writing an offer to get to 22. Yep. <laughs> I'm just throwing an offer. I need to get to 22. Yeah. So I write offers and forget it and move on. Yep. Even if you don't think you're going to get it. We've had deals six months later. Hey, is your offer still good? A lot of times people don't realize that they can't get bank financing because their house is in such bad shape or whatever circumstances. So for us, forget it and move on. Worst case, your numbers are off. You have J1 to get out. You have an inspection period to knock that price down if you're off. Submit it and forget it. I love it. And move on. This is what I've been teaching people on BiggerPockets webinars for five years now. I'm like, it's a very simple funnel. You get leads that come in and you just talk about you got to do a variety of things if you're in a small market, especially. So get your direct mail, your cold call and your agents, get that in. You get leads, then you analyze them, run the numbers. Make an offer, Make or I say pursue them, because it fits with the LAPS funnel, L-A-P-S. Yeah. So leads, analysis, pursue, and then you will get success. It might be one out of 10, one out of yeah. 20, one out of 30. Yeah. doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. You can try to improve those numbers yeah. over time. But the fact is, it is a funnel. Yeah. And I love the fact that you know your KPIs. That just tells me, like, this is not a mystery. It's not a surprise that you're a successful flipper, because you're numbers. doing the things that successful flippers do. Yeah, numbers. the numbers. Like, this is a numbers game. So. I am Excel spreadsheet galore guy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but no, but you you don't get your first deal overnight. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked so hard to get my first deal. It took me nine months to get yeah. my first deal. And I remember I was so, it was like six months in. I was so heartbroken. I got a deal locked up. It was great. I fell in love with it two days before closing. It fell out. Mm-hmm. And whatever happened, it happened. Oh, man, I was so heartbroken. And most people have stopped kind of from there. But I took that experience of learning what escrow was, learning the lingo. And, you know, we're sitting here talking, but real estate's got its own lingo, its own language. Yeah. You know, we're talking about... I don't know, escrows and J1s and KPIs and all this stuff. It's its own lingo. It's its own world that comes naturally to us. But you guys remember back in the day, no idea what that was. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. And so just going through escrow and learning about the process of it all was 
worth it in every it's sentence. Like, it's like trying to learn how to lift weights at the gym without going to the gym. Yeah. You're like, you can read a book that says what a leg press is or whatever, you know, or what yeah. a squat rack yeah. is. Yeah. But like, that's not the same as going there, looking at it, touching it, <laughs> oh, feeling it, throwing pens around your office. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Stop throwing a pen yeah, at yeah, you. Sorry, throwing a pen at you. I get excited <laughs> about this. <laughs> so like, I, I, yeah, there's that's the downfall of being in the sea shed with me is you get pens thrown at you. So um, everyone be warned. Yes. The difference is showing up, going to the gym, not knowing what you're doing, doing some stuff, pushing and pulling some levers and getting yelled at. And that's fine. You got to do it, man. You got to do it. about it. Yeah. You know, I'll comment on the reason that we like funnels. It gives you structure and direction for what you're trying to accomplish and to learn. We do the same thing on my real estate team. We have five steps to taking a person and turning them into a closing. And every step where we classify where you are, there's a tool that we use to move them from that step to the next one. Because we realize it's the same freaking process over and over. And investing, like Brandon has the lapse funnel, leads, analyze, pursue, and then success. If you force yourself to be disciplined enough to do that, which is what Indar has done, what you find is that your brain understands what it's trying to accomplish a lot easier. Well, we need leads. That's the first thing. Then Indar was talking earlier. You got to get leads from everywhere. You got to go here. You got to go there. Oahu's not big enough. You have to be able to do direct mail. He has figured out what works in Hawaii to fill up a funnel of leads, people that are interested in selling their property. So when people say, what's my first step? What do I do? You're never going to know where to start if you don't understand that you got to go to the top of that funnel. Yep, yep. And you're going to take some time going through a different ways that you can get a lead. Then once you get one, what do you have to do? You analyze it. That's where we talk about having spreadsheets, hitting numbers, stuff like the 1% rule pops up, things like cash flow. All of that is a part of the analyzation section of the funnel. And then there's pursue, write offers, ask people like direct conversations with sellers where we're going over negotiation tactics and ways you can bring stuff up. That's all part of the pursuit process. That's why Indar said, just write the offer because the feedback you get will improve your knowledge in the pursuit section of the funnel. And then there's a success, right? So I really like that because real estate can seem overwhelming with all these different options. But if you force yourself to view it from this funnel thing, you start to recognize, hey, I just got to get these three steps down, finding leads, analyzing them and pursuing them. And when my skills in those areas reach the right point, boom, stuff will start making it from its way from the top of the funnel down. Yeah. Let, I had, me, let me jump through some ninja tips before we yeah, run please. out of time. I got please. a bunch. I'm just going to go through them really fast. All right, take them. Quickly. I'll just touch on them. People can do some research on their own. Right. Be a professional money finder. That's the name of the game. Yeah. That's how you're huge. Donald Trump's huge. Everyone. They're experts at finding huge. money. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> huge. You know, uh, working with banks, getting HELOCs on your own personal, getting personal lines of credit. Everyone here can go to the bank right now and get a line of credit with a small bank. Go to a small bank and get a $25,000, $50,000 line of credit. Yeah. And the cool thing about that one, it's unsecured line of credit, which is you don't need any collateral. You can use that as your down funding, your gap funding later on. The trick for that one is if the bank gives you $50,000, ask for $25,000. Ask for less and you can up it later. But you get in a lot easier when you get asked for less. They're super easy to get to get lines of credit with a bank. That's cool. And it's a great way to get your gap going on. And then learn the credit card game. When we were flipping for uh, at the beginning, we used the credit card game. You know, I have a uh, maybe 150,000 line of credit with the, my credit cards, and we used that for our rehab. You know, it did the whole points fun yep. part of it all. There's a website called Plastic, P L A S T I Q, I think it is, and uh, you can take money out of your credit card. They charge you, but it's a way to get cash because that's the name of the game: is finding, developing. How do you find money? 
how do you find money? Of course, working with hard money investors, you know, we love working more with private money investors. That's where we're at today. We're trying to find more investors to do bigger things, but knowing other sources of money, you know, stay away from, if you guys ever hear somebody talking about factor rates, it's hard to figure out who's a scam and who's not out there. Ask around, you know, go on bigger pockets. I did that. Mid-March, COVID started. No, every lender was shut down. Yep. Every lender was shut down. I went on to bigger pockets. I BCC'd every hard money you had on there. I had four deals lined up and wow. everyone was shut down. I was uh, the largest client. Um, I don't want to say their name, but I was the largest client. They shut down because no one knew what was going to happen. I went on bigger pockets. I BCC'd. I think, yeah, like I gave up after like 30 plus lenders. <laughs> and I same email to all of them. Hey, I got these deals lined up. Can you work it? Can you make this happen? I knew I'd be well off and those deals turned out to be mega awesome deal. But, you know, I was professional money finder. I yeah. figured out how to find money. And I make love it. it. Work. Hey, by the way, everybody, if you're looking for the hard money lenders, we have a free, what he's talking about, there's a directory on bigger pockets yeah. called the hard money lender directory. Totally free. Uh, just go to biggerpockets.com slash hard money lenders. Yeah. It's all on there. Another quick little tip before we run out of time is front load your deals. So when I'm talking about front loading, so if you guys are up into fix and flips, when you start getting to higher end fix and flips, this is super, super important. And I learned a hard way. I learned this really hurt when I was kind of scaling from, I don't know, seven to eight deals into 14, 15 deals. It's a big jump. So we get our rehab funds. Most of our general rehabs are, I don't know, $100,000. Your hard money lender will fund 100% of your rehab, but you have to do the work first mm. before they will give you money. A lot of times at the beginning of a, a rehab, a lot of costs go in the beginning. You don't show it. Like a lot of money is spent, generally maybe $30,000 is spent up front before you can kind of see any work done. So when you times that 30 grand by 15 deals, that's a lot of money I didn't account for. I accounted that, okay, my hard money is giving me 100% of the rehab. I never had to come up with that money. But then I didn't realize I am paying 30 grand for all those deals. So what we started doing, and my hard money taught me this, is front loading. You know, make those items, because I'm giving his, the rehab budgets, make those items that you do up front cost more. So demo now costs 20,000. I was super honest back then. I was like, oh, demo's only five grand. Windows are only three grand. So I front load those items up front to cost more. And that way I can get money sooner to carry all of this. So when you're carrying 15 homes, you know, 30 grand up piece, and I didn't account for that money, you know, you're very stretched. Yeah. And that's the hard part of the business. So front loading for any fix and flippers out there who want to scale in a high market, you know, is extremely, extremely important. So you're not just caught with your pants down, per se. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with trying to figure out the money part of it all. It's extremely difficult. It makes sense. And, you know, there's a lot of little other little things, working, networking, and networking, and yeah. go to more networking events. Yeah. It's the name of the business. You know, if you're not doing it, uh, you need to be doing it. I like to learn everything on every little trade. Remember, I had a plumber once come on to a job and he was like, a lot of times if you get a high cost, it's because that guy is busy. Nothing personal. He's yep. just got too much work going on. Sure, supply and demand. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's like, oh, it's nine grand to do this. I was like, I, I did plumber before. I was like, no, you just got to sweat this and do that. And he's like, he kind of backtracked. He's like, what? How'd you know that? Yeah. He's like, because I did it. And I knew enough about every little trade. I said, see you later. I'm going to pick somebody else. But knowing enough a little about every trade is it's useful. It's useful, you know, especially in life, I think, in general. And kind of my last favorite point I love to know and I love to share is know your net worth. Uh, know your net worth in life and what's your time worth. Because a lot of times when I was first starting off, I love construction. I got my tools. I love being involved. I love 
jumping on a project and doing, you know, got my saw and cutting and drill. It's fun as, a, I don't know, something about being a man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, something about that kind of, I grew up like that. I like that stuff yeah. too. And it's cool to jump in. But is my time really valued at that? When I'm paying a guy 30 bucks an hour, is my time 30 bucks an hour? No, it's 500 bucks an hour. Yep. You know, that's what we need to be at. That's my goal, if, you know. So that concept changed my life of just yeah. thinking like, what is, what task am I doing? Yes. What can I pay someone else to do that for? 20 bucks an hour, 50 bucks an hour. Yeah. I should not be doing it. Yeah. I yeah. love doing the yard stuff. Actually. Yeah. I like getting yeah. out and laying grass. Yeah. It's my cheapest labor guy. Yeah. Hey, the cheapest job. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> but I, I like, I, I like yards. For yeah. Some there reason. is something to like doing stuff that's, that you like doing obviously yeah. as yeah. well. Like, because that's, that's your time. Like yeah. that, I jump in now here and down for an hour or two because something about it, it clears my mind sometimes. Yeah. Actually talking about clearing my mind, I paddle between islands and that can be a whole nother subject. Oh, wow. I had to do a race from Molokai to Oahu, actually. No way. Talking about clearing your mind there. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge thing in Hawaii for anyone who doesn't know about paddling and the community that it's involved. But it's a big life-changing event when I got into paddling and that's that cool, pushing your body to the next limit. I mean, literally, when we paddle, we don't even see the next island. You just see the horizon often and you're like... Yeah. <laughs> How far am I going? It's it's four, 30 to 42 miles is wow. the r- different races. And it's pretty crazy to do cool, push yourself to the next limit. And that's what, what I think we do in this business. You know, we could be content where we're at in life, right? We, we're fine. We can stop tomorrow yeah. and live a beautiful life. But it's not about that. It's about the art of the deal. It's about pushing yourself to the next limit. You know, something, I don't know yeah. what it is. I don't know, David, could you tell me what it is? Like, <laughs> there's something more in us to want more. You know what I mean? To, if we were to stop today, like, you know, we would be fine. Yeah. It's because in the beginning, here's what I think it is for me. It's really, really difficult. We'll just use a jujitsu analogy because we just can't. <laughs> of course you're right. Of course we can. <laughs> we're terrible at it. And it sucks sucking at it. And then once you get, it would be stupid to say, okay, I finally got good at this. So I don't hate it all the time. Now I'm done. I'm going to hang it up the gi and say, I'm not going to do jujitsu anymore because I accomplished it. Once you figure out how to make all these pieces work, it becomes fun and easy and light. And you can spend one hour and make 500 bucks instead of one hour and make 15 bucks, which is what you were doing. And when you were working for 15 bucks an hour, you would have given anything to be able to make 500 bucks an hour or 5,000 bucks an hour, whatever it turns into. So it actually, the better you get at it, even though you told yourself, I just want to get to this point and quit, that isn't how most things in life work. Once you get to that point, that's when it becomes fun. That's when you get to do the parts of the job that you like and only the parts of the job that you like. That's when you get to say, well, I have enough money. I don't need to keep working, but my kid might not be okay, but other people need help. So I'm going to keep working, making this money so I can help others. That's the only explanation I can think of for why I tell myself, man, I'm going to get the team to this point and I'm going to ride off into the sunset. No, once I got to that point, I wanted to go do it again in Hawaii because that'll be easier this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. It's like the goals just keep changing and growing. They do. Yeah. But there's a lot of happiness in growth. Like happiness is from growth for a lot of us. I I like to celebrate every time I have a big win in life. I do little things. I treat myself like I did a huge deal. I made 200,000. I went and bought a Louis Vuitton bag. I know it's cliche, but I treated that moment to enjoy that moment in life. Because, you know, that what, what is life for? It's, it's to treat ourselves. What do you say to Heather Brandon? Treat yourself. Isn't that your thing? <laughs> That's from uh, Parks and Rec, the show. Treat yourself. Yeah. One of my favorite shows of all time. All right. Yeah. Treat yourself day. Uh, let's move this thing towards the end and go to the last segment. It's called our Famous Four. This <laughs> yes. is the part of the show where we ask the same four questions every week to every guest. So we're going to yes. throw them at you right now. Number one. 
into our favorite or current favorite, like either all-time favorite or current favorite real estate related book. Oh, I mean, I got to say your book. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I, I could be cliche and I could say rich dad, poor dad, because, you know, that's everybody's cliche. And mm. actually, I met him at Outrigger Canoe Club. Oh, I no met, way. I met him at- Kiyosaki, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's a member over there. It was, uh, we were at dinner and my wife like, oh, that's David. I mean, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. And, uh, and we just bought him a drink, you know, and we're in the next table over. This is a higher end. I want to bring you to dinner. Yeah, over no, there. I want to go. It's a private club. Yeah, I want to go. Know, no cell phones, uh, a private wow. invite only. You can't just go there. Wow. Yeah, I want to go with you. The richest guy there is eBay. I mean, I seen him one Oh, time. that's cool. Yeah, because he's the richest guy in Hawaii, right? And he's a member over there. But I seen Robert over there, bought him a drink. He said nothing, you know, just give away nothing, right? Next morning, I go to the, it's a private gym they have too. Next morning we're in the gym, it's like nine o'clock, you know, everyone's gone. It's just me and him in the gym. I'm like, oh my God, that's Saki. <laughs> like, I'm so nervous. Like, I can't, I gotta say something to him, right? Let's go and just start chatting. He's a chatterbox. The yeah. dude's so cool. He told me on his first deal, he paid a realtor 10 grand to find his first deal on the side to work exclusive for him. You know, 10 grand back in, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, 70s or 80s, whatever. Money, yeah. You know, and this guy, he just, a wealth of information. I mean, all his stuff he shares, he lives it. It's better at worse. I'm, I think at the time he was actually getting foreclosed on. No, funny. It's not a big group of properties he has. Of course, his books are great. I can go on. I see all your books behind. I'm like, I read yeah. that. I read that. I read That's that. That's funny. Yeah. I you know, I, I think more important than the best book is spending the time to read books. Yeah. You know, instead of driving now, I don't listen to radio. I have my books on tape going, playing in fast forward because I want to listen to them faster. I listen to like 1.5, 1.25, depending on the, the person, you know, just constantly filling my head full of knowledge and knowledge is what, and even if you can just one little takeaway, that's all worth it. You know, I want to do the 52 books a year. I think you said mm, it once, 20 once, minutes a day yeah. will give you 50 books a year. You know, so. It's, it's doable. <laughs> all right. What is the business book that has made the biggest impact on you? Attraction is obviously huge because that's helping us scale right now. Yeah. It was Miracle Morning, of course. Yep. America Morning didn't seem like a book I was, because I'm not a morning guy, yeah. but had so much more other information it about did. real estate that yeah. you're like, what? How, how come they're talking about this? Like, it is a real estate book, I, I think, more so than people realize. So, I think so anyone's not so read that book, of course, read that because they have a lot of broad spectrum yeah. about business in general in life. In Hal Elrod is actually going to be the keynote speaker, one of the keynotes at BPCon this year. Mm -hmm. So Bigger Pockets Conference happening in New Orleans, October 4th and 5th, I think it is, or yeah. 5th and 6th, early October. Anyway, I think tickets well, are probably sold out by now, but if not, you can get them at biggerpockets.com slash conference. <laughs> and you guys' books, read your guys' books, both well, thank David you. and you guys share, I've read you guys' books, some, uh, some of them I've read twice. You share a lot of tidbits that really, it's so straightforward, it's so easy to understand. It's a lot of times you just gotta take the action and you guys well, just break man. it down and make it really simple to understand. And real, real estate's simple to understand, it's the action. It's not complicated. It's that cliche term, easy to learn, difficult to master. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, there you go. All right, David, next question. All right, next question. What are some of your hobbies? <laughs> yeah, paddling. paddling. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I grew up surfing, grew up surfing, diving, fishing, anything in the water. I grew up in the water. Before school, we'd go surf. After school, we'd go surf. I grew up on the Big Island. That was life. We grew up paddling, just develop. It's a community. It's a network of people. Some of my guys I hire are paddlers. There's something about the camaraderie of it. It's almost like the military guys that they grow when they do um, basic training, when they do that together, the Navy SEAL guys, Navy Seal training, yeah. they do that Navy, they get that camaraderie. It's the same thing when I paddle in a six man boat, yep. it's nine guys, you're killing yourself for each other. There's yep. something about 
giving your all 42 miles and you're done. Like I do the single man thing after 30 minutes. I'm like, what am I doing out here? Like it takes four, four and a half hours for me to do this race in 30 minutes. I'm like done. It's such a mental mental game. And when you push yourself mentally beyond your limits, it it just gives you capability to do so much more. And I got to be honest, I haven't paddled in like two years, really COVID kind of started and we're doing our own house and life takes over, of course, but finding that routine and it really gets you being out in the middle of the ocean on a little stick with a little yeah. canoe, nothing else matters in life. Not how many properties you have, not how many deals you got going on. It's about you making it back to shore alive yeah. and not dying. And, you know, the ocean is so powerful. And I love reading the ocean. You know, in that Molokai race I talk about, you can't even see Oahu, but I know from the ocean, you know, the the groundswell is going this way, the topswell is going this way, the wind's blowing this way. I know where Oahu is. So having that visual in life where, you know, where we're going to go. I love it, man. But paddling is, oh man, I love that sport. If I can do it full time. Yeah, just be a full time paddler. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, but there's no money. (laughs) I want to get you guys going out there. I know, we'll we'll do it. It's a good network of people, really. I agree. It's a Hawaii sport. Yeah. Well, let me ask you the last question of the day. Of me, anyway. David's got one more. But what separates successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Oh, that's a loaded question. There's yeah. so much. I was thinking about, We, I mean, we touched on action. We touched on problem solving, being creative on deal structures. Having that mindset to do more and having the cojones to do yeah. it all. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge, huge part of it. And I think the underlining thing of it is what do you want in life? Where do you want to be in life? I mean, a lot of people are okay and it's very comfortable taking that, you know, W-2 paycheck every Friday. You know, it's very comfortable and it's nice to have that feeling. But as soon as you're ready to take that next step in life, you know, you want more and really, really want it. You got to want it like nobody else wants it. Not for anybody else, but you got to really, really want this. And uh, that will take you to the next part in life. Awesome, man. Very cool. Well, David, you got your final question. We'll Last question of the day from me. Indar, where can people find out more about you? Of course, on Instagram. If you guys just message me on Instagram, I'm Indar Hawaii. All day long, I'll message you guys back and love to help people and talk to people about it all. Any questions you got, of course, Indar at Our Home Investments and text me 808-989-2323. I love partnering with people. I love bringing investors in. I'm just talking about your deal. There's enough wealth to go on. There's enough deals to go on. I'm not going to take your deal. I'll talk about your Hawaii deal if you want. Little key point about Hawaii is Malamada Aina. I like to share that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What does that mean? Malamada Aina. So we grew up here in Hawaii and Malamada Aina is always kind of, you'll hear it in the back tones of things and stuff. And it means to respect and take care of the land. And I think that's what we're doing as flippers. A lot of times you'll find these homes that are just torn down, just ready to fall down. You're bringing that life back for years to come. You're taking care of that land for a family to enjoy for 30 plus years to come. I feel like that's what we're doing. We're taking care of this place that we grew up and we're providing it you know, for other people to enjoy. And it's a huge part of how I live my life from integrity to respect the place I grew up in and to give back, you know, from jobs we're hiring to giving to people to bettering our communities and um, for our families for years to come. And I would love to give back and do more, but there's like a fine line. Sell a house for so much and it's job. I hear you. But Malamada Aina uh, is a huge part to live by. 
Very cool, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming to the Sea Shed today. You and I are going <laughs> to go with some on. lunch after this and yes. uh, we'll laugh at David, who's over back in California. So we're going to get a Pokeball. <laughs> <laughs> David, you know, t- take us out of here. Yes, sir. Indar, great conversation, man. Thank you for sharing so much of what goes on in your personal business and your personal life. I thought this was a great show and I think people really liked it. Mahalo. Mahalo. Right on. This is Dravy Green. <laughs> <your name>? <laughs> Uh, we're not editing that either. That is in here. Dravid Green. Dravid Deed. This is David uh, Dream. <laughs> Give a dream. This is David Green for Brandon Treat Yourself Turner signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.